are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. At so many levels, this gospel text tonight is not an easy one. There is talk of the one who can destroy both body and soul. That teaching that says, Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Then comes that rather perplexing line from one who is known as the Prince of Peace. When Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Which should cause us all to stop in our tracks for a moment. What follows, though, is even more challenging. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. This is then followed by those tough words about worthiness. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Couldn't this be a Sunday on which we could read like the prodigal son? It's imagery of the boundlessly merciful father. But that, you see, is the reason that we follow the lectionary. Yes, the time will come when we will read the parable of the prodigal son. But we can't cut and paste a gospel only made up of the pieces that we like, the bits that don't make us struggle and still call ourselves followers of Jesus. Because beyond any shadow of a doubt, Jesus was a very challenging teacher, right alongside of being merciful and generous, loving and forgiving. He is challenging. When we read from the Gospels, we don't mind at all when he rattles the cage of the Pharisee and extends abundant mercy to the tax collector. We feel great relief for the prodigal son. We cheer for the merciful father and then look rather askance at the sulky older brother in the garden who refuses to come in and enjoy the party with his prodigal brother. But then again, maybe Jesus would have us place ourselves in the shoes of that older son or with that all-too-confident Pharisee looking down his nose at the tax collector and then have us let those lovely parables unsettle us as well. Jesus is like that. It's clear that as Matthew tells this story, Jesus is quite intentionally pressing the twelve disciples to confront some things in their own lives with which they really must contend. 
These teachings tonight are part of the commissioning of the 12 disciples to go out on their own two by two to spread the good news, to offer healing and hope to what he calls the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This point in the gospel arc is quite urgent, according to Matthew, and Jesus does not want his disciples to be anything but committed, so he's pushing them. Acknowledge me before others, he says to them, and I will acknowledge you before my Father. Don't waffle about this mission I'm sending you out on, because as soon as you start hedging your bets and failing to acknowledge that I am at the heart of this message, well, the cost of that can be a little high, my friends. Are you with me or not? Yet for all of the, 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 the urgent tension in this teaching offered to the Twelve, there is embedded right in the midst of this reading what N.T. Wright calls the command repeated most often in the Bible. Now, as Bishop Wright notes, it isn't something stern such as behave yourself, smarten up, say your prayers, worship God more wholeheartedly, give more money away. Instead, quote, it's the command we find in verses 26, 28, and 31, don't be afraid. Did you even hear it as Zoe read it aloud this evening? I mean, in such a challenging passage, it might have been easy to, to miss. But three times he says it, have no fear of them. Do not fear those who can kill the body. Do not be afraid. Three times in the course of just six verses comes this commandment to the disciples to take a deep breath, fix their eyes, and trust. Don't be afraid. Yet, it, it, it might have felt fearsome, and when Jesus turned to say he had brought a sword, that might have sent at least some of them to their knees trembling, or maybe some of the more zealous ones in the group, kind of invigorated by it. Ah, finally a sword. The revolution is here. This is what we've been hoping for. In 1937, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer published his great book called The Cost of Discipleship. Bonhoeffer was opposed to the rise of Nazism and had founded an underground seminary to train clergy in what was called the Confessing Church, a church founded as an alternative to the state church of Germany that had pretty much entirely capitulated and folded in under the Third Reich. Now, 1937, so the Second World War had not yet begun, but violence and conquest were in the air. The persecution of the Jews in Germany very much underway. And looking at this text in light of that reality, Bonhoeffer wrote, 
The cross is God's sword on this earth. The cross is God's sword on this earth. It creates division. The son against the father, the daughter against the mother, the household against its head, and all for the sake of God's kingdom and its peace. This is the work of Christ on earth. The cross is God's sword on this earth, Bonhoeffer wrote. The cross creates division. In the intensity of those years in Nazi Germany, this young theologian and pastor could see that with such clarity. To be true to Jesus in such a time meant division. Division from the officially sanctioned state church, which had just wandered off down the path after Hitler's vision. Division from a brother or maybe a father who had enrolled in the SS while you yourself were opposed to it. Division from a sister or a mother who attended those massive rallies in support of the madness of the Nazi movement. Division, for sure. Jesus will not wield a sword made of iron, but that doesn't mean that there is not intensity and conflict to his life, to the lives of those who follow him, and at, the t at times in the lives of all who dare to bear the name of Christian. And so Bonhoeffer continued, God's love for the people brings the cross and discipleship. But these in turn mean life and resurrection. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. The affirmation is given by the one who has the power over death, the Son of God, who goes to the cross and to resurrection and takes those who are his with him. In Bonhoeffer's view, the cross and discipleship also mean life and resurrection. And in this, I believe, he was completely on track with what Jesus was trying to bang into the thick heads of those disciples. This isn't going to be an easy road, he's saying to them, but it's the only road worth following, the only road to life and resurrection. So follow me and do not be afraid. Now, most of us, most of the time, are not living in the midst of such intensity and urgency. For most of us, coming to church on a Sunday night is right and refreshing and good. Oh, you know, with the liturgical seasons, we are pressed into some more arid terrain, particularly in Lent, and certainly in Holy Week and on Good Friday, there's deep, deep challenge. But even then, we all know that Easter's coming. Even in times of loss or crisis or confusion, in the periods which can be dark nights, so to speak, 
marked by a, a, an aridity, a dryness in our lives of prayer and belief. Even then, we're not pushed up against the wall in the way that Jesus' disciples were pushed up against the wall. The way that Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his compatriots were pushed against the wall in the Second World War, quite literally he was hung for his subversion. Or the way that Christians in parts of the world such as Nigeria are today pushed against the wall. Even so, as we contemplate what all of those brothers and sisters in Christ have faced in the past or are facing today, what should ring in our hearts and our minds is that message tucked so centrally in this gospel. Follow me and do not be afraid. Today and tomorrow and always follow him and do not be afraid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.